This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. When you spend your time begging from Allah, you become rich, right? Because you're begging from the one who is the most rich. Al-Ghani, he's, he's self-sufficient. He doesn't need anyone. His kingdom doesn't diminish, no matter how much he gives. As, as the hadith tells us, if every single individual were to come together, every human being from the beginning of time until the end of time were to come together and then ask Allah for something, and if Allah were to give every single one of them what they asked for, it would not diminish his kingdom any more than if you take a needle and put it in the ocean or in the sea, it diminishes the ocean. Allah is the most rich. So if you are a person who spends your nights and your days begging from the most rich, what does that make you? Makes you rich. And when a person is rich, are they generous or are they stingy? Are they kind or are they harsh? When a person is rich, then they can be generous. And that's how you become compassionate towards the creation. That's how you become merciful towards the creation. That's how you become generous towards the creation. That's how the Prophet ﷺ was what he was. He was, mercy, he was the epitome of, of human mercy. He was the epitome of human compassion. Why? Because he was rich. He didn't beg from the creation, he begged from the king. And that's how he became rich inside. And that's how he became loving and compassionate and merciful. So don't let anyone tell you that talking about don't have attachments means that you're going to be cold-hearted. It doesn't mean that you're cold-hearted, it means the opposite. It means that you are generous. It means that because you're, you're seeking from the right source, then you are already rich and you have so much to give. When you give from a place of richness, you don't need to be selfish. You don't need to demand. It's like, you know, oh, you know, um, October 3rd, 2001, I did such and such for you. When are you going to pay me back for it? You know, keeping track of everything that you've done for people and waiting for them to pay you back, waiting for them to do something in return. You don't need to be like that because you're, you're being filled by Allah. You're already rich and your source doesn't diminish. So you don't need to go to the beggar and beg. You give, you give. And you don't need to be demanding and you don't need to be weak and you don't need to be in need of others who are also in need. You see, when you go to a poor part of town, you never see a beggar begging from another beggar. Do you? Does that happen? It's ridiculous, right? Beggars don't beg from other beggars. Why? Because a beggar knows that the beggar is just as in need as the other beggar. He's just as poor. Why would I beg from another beggar? I need to go to the one who's rich. You see my point. So whatever it is that we need, essentially we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it because Allah is the source. Now does that mean I can't go to people for help? 
Does that mean that because I am asking Allah and I make my dua and I beg from the source that I can't go to people for help, for example, to, you know, a therapist, a counselor, a doctor? And the answer, of course, is I can. These are something that Allah has, has, has created called asbab. Asbab meaning the means. These are means. Just like I take medicine when I'm sick. That's a means. And that's, that's part of our deen to use the means. It's part of our deen to go and seek help when I need help. That's okay. What is the problem then? The problem is when I depend on the means instead of just using it. It's when I'm depending on the medicine instead of on Allah. It's when I'm depending on the doctor instead of a shafi the one who actually cures. It's when I'm depending on this person who's giving me advice or this person who's giving me counsel instead of on Allah. I just need to realize that Allah is the source and Allah is in control and everything else is in His hands and they are means, asbab. That doesn't mean I can't use and, 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 and involve myself in the asbab, but my dependence should be on Allah. Now dua itself, as I said, the very purpose of dua, and actually this brings me to a question that I'm going to come to in terms of obstacles. One of the obstacles that we face that keep us from continuing to make dua is this. We oftentimes feel, I've been making dua, I've been making dua, and my dua is not being answered. Allah is not hearing my dua, a'udhu billah. Or Allah is not answering my du'a. I, I, I feel like it's not working. And sometimes when I feel that way, then I want to give up. But let me give you guys a scenario so I can make this point. Imagine a person really, really badly wants a red Ferrari. Okay? And so what this person does... Because they want a red Ferrari, they know that Allah is as-Sami'a, right? And Allah is al-Mujib, and Allah answers. And so what they do is, they wake up every single day for tahajjud, okay? To pray for their red Ferrari, all right? Let me actually <laughs> bring an example maybe more relatable. You want to marry person X, all right? So you wake up for tahajjud every single day to pray, let me marry person X. All right. Whether it's the Ferrari or person X, but you wake up every single day for a year for tahajjud and you cry to Allah to give you this thing. Now let me ask you this question. At the end of that year, whether you got the Ferrari or you didn't, you actually got something better. And it was in the process of making the dua that you got that thing. And what was it? What's that thing that you got that was better than the Ferrari? It's something you can't buy with all the money in the world. And that is the nearness to Allah. The fact that the process of you getting up for tahajjud and crying and begging Allah and praying and making dua was in fact bringing you closer to him. And that nearness itself is more valuable than whether or not you got the answer to your dua. The answer. 
the, 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 the process itself is better than what it was you were asking for. Make sense? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes delays the answer to dua for this reason. Now in this example, when the first night that I woke up and I prayed for my Ferrari, I personally don't care about Ferraris, but assume I did, and I got up and I prayed for this Ferrari. Imagine if I had gotten the Ferrari the first night. I woke up the next day, and outside of my house, there was a Ferrari, just, just sitting there. What would I have done? I would have stopped praying. I would have stopped getting up for tahajjud. I would have done it once, and that's it. And so actually, by delaying the answer to my dua, it pushed me to do what? To continue to, to get closer and closer and closer to Allah through the process of that begging. Through that process. By the, the very fact that Allah delayed the answer. So we should never lose hope when the answer to our dua is, has been delayed. That's number one. Number two, I was praying for a Ferrari, but when I went outside, there was a Passat. And I'm like, I didn't ask for this. But it turns out that had I been given the Ferrari, I was going to drive way too fast, and I was going to get in a car accident, and I was going to kill myself. But the Passat, you know, I was going to drive more sensibly. And so in this case, I asked for something, yes, but it wasn't good for me. And Allah gave me something else, which was better for me. Sometimes the answer to our dua doesn't come in the form, that exact form that we think it should. But that doesn't mean that Allah is not answering our dua. It doesn't mean that Allah is not hearing and answering our dua. Because Allah has promised us that He hears and answers dua. And Allah never breaks His promises. He says He does, which means He does. That means I have to have yaqeen. I have to have full certainty that Allah is hearing my dua and Allah is answering my dua. Even if I don't recognize how. Even if I don't recognize how. One of the other benefits of dua is it teaches me, it trains me to put my dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because of what it does is it focuses my heart on the source. I am asking from the source. I am asking from the source. I'm not asking from the shadow. I'm not asking from the reflection. I'm asking from the source. And in terms of these barriers, one of those barriers, as I said, is the fact that I think that my dua is not being answered. This, as I told you, is untrue. It's always being answered. But sometimes it is delayed, and sometimes it is answered in a way that I don't understand, or not in, exact, in exactly the way that I think it should be. However, Allah says, Asa an takrahu shay'an wa huwa khayrun lakum. It may be that you hate something, and it is good for you. And it may be that you love something, you want it so badly, but it is not good for you. 
If your child so badly wants to hold a knife because your child has seen you hold a knife cutting vegetables, the child sincerely wants that knife. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen a child really want something? You know? They really want it. Because they've seen, you know, they've seen mama or baba cutting, you know, tomatoes with a with the knife. They want, to, they want to do it too. So they beg you for the knife. Please let me hold the knife. Let me do what you're doing. This is something that they want so badly. If you gave them what they asked for, what would happen to them? They would cut themselves, right? Hurt themselves. Possibly kill themselves. And so it is actually out of your mercy for them and your love for the child that you don't give them what they asked for, right? In the form that they asked for. Because it's a knife. And it's going to hurt them. And it may kill them. We, we, we ask Allah for a lot of knives. Sometimes. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> and then when we don't get it, we throw a temper tantrum, the adult version. Yeah, Allah, why aren't you giving me what I... Just like the little kid. Just like the little kid. You know, why aren't you giving me the knife? Yeah, Allah, why aren't you giving me this job? Yeah, Allah, why aren't you letting me marry this person? Yeah, Allah, why aren't you letting me have this promotion? Why didn't I get into this program or get this mark on my exam? We do the same thing. But we don't realize, Asa and takrahu shay'an wa huwa khairun lakum. It may be you hate something and it's bad for you. And like the child, The child loved to hold that knife. But it wasn't good for him. And Allah knew that. And that's why Allah says, Allah knows and you do not know. Allah knows what we don't know. That's why when we pray istikhara, and this brings me to my final point about about different types of different examples of, of this gift that Allah has given us, different examples of dua. One of them is the dua of istikhara. What do we do in the dua of istikhara? Istikhara, as you know, is a dua that you make, or it, you know, it's, the, it's a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ for making decisions. It's not only for marriage, folks. And it's not just a ritual you do before the wedding. Istikhara is basically asking Allah, do what is best. Take the steering wheel. But before you say, you know, about your specific issue, your specific matter, you acknowledge a few things. Because you know and I don't know. This is part of our acknowledgement. You know and I don't know. Just like the, that parent knew what knives can do to the child, and the child didn't know. This was a knowledge that the child didn't have. If a child, if a child doesn't have knowledge in comparison to an adult, what about our lack of knowledge compared to Allah? And Alim, who owns all knowledge, I mean, he is, he's Allah. He is the one who knows everything. So how can we compare our knowledge with his knowledge? So we acknowledge this. We acknowledge this at the beginning. We say, you know and I don't know. 
and you are able and I am not able. He is able and I'm not able. Because Allah has all the power and you know how much power I have? I have this much. Literally, there's not even like a point zero 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 one. No, I have no power. There is no change in state, no power or strength except by Allah. It's only Allah who, who owns the power. Only Allah owns the power. By the way, that means that no other human being has power either to harm you or to help you. And it also means no jinn. <laughs> Yikes. No jinn has power to harm you or to help you except by the permission of Allah. That means shaitan and his army, they're powerless except by the permission of Allah. And any harm that comes to us is by the permission of Allah. Allah is in control of everything. Knowing this, knowing this is very, very powerful. This is part of Tawheed, realizing who actually is in control. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There's nothing else that has that power. So when we realize this, and we acknowledge this at the beginning of istikhara, before we ask Allah about our specific issue, we realize He is the one who has the power, I have none, and He is the one who has the knowledge, and I have none except what he has given me and then i ask allahumma in kunta ta'lam if in your knowledge you know that this thing that this matter hadha al-amr khayrun li fi dini wa ma'ashi wa aqibati amri and if you know that this thing is good for me and this is of course talking about this life and the next faqdirhu li wa yassirhu li thumma barik li fi then make it happen make it easy and put blessing in it and if you know when kunta ta'lam if you know that this thing is bad for me, again in dunya and deen, فَصْرِفْهُ عَنِّي anhu. Then take it away from me. And then take me away from it. And then bring me what is good for me and make me pleased with it. This is a perfect dua. This is a perfect dua asking Allah to take the, the steering wheel of your life. It's not asking for a dream. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we, we, we don't really understand how do, I, how, do I, you know, how do I interpret my answer to my istikhara. We, we go outside and we look for like lightning in the sky. You know? Like, like if you're considering someone for marriage, like you're going to see their name in the clouds. Right? <laughs> or we really, really want a certain answer, right? So it's like, oh, okay. You step outside and you see a dog crossing the street. And you, and you say, oh my God, that's a sign. Because dog starts with D. And D is one of the letters in this person's last name. <laughs> right? It's a sign. Um... <laughs> Why, why are we like this? <laughs> because we, first of all, istikhara is not really about signs. It's not about dreams. 
Remember, nothing in this dua that I just translated says, give me a sign or give me a dream. It actually just says, take over. Take over. Do it. Take care of it. And if it's bad, take it away. So after you pray istikhara and this thing is being taken away, but no, I saw the dog. It rained. And rain begins with R. Anyway. But your answer to your istikhara is in also what happens. That something can become facilitated or something can become obstacle upon obstacle upon obstacle. You have asked Allah, if this is good, then make it happen and make it easy and put blessing in it. And if it is not, take it away. But you see, you didn't really mean that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a ritual. But at the end of the day, folks... <laughs> At the end of the day, is there anyone who doesn't want khair? Is there anyone who doesn't want goodness? Is there anyone who says, actually for me, I want shar. I want something bad to happen. Nobody wants that, right? Everyone wants what is best, yes? Everyone wants goodness, yes? So how come we would hold on to something that is bad for us? If we trust Allah to do what is best then why do we continue to hold on to things that may be bad for us? Why do we continue to hold on to the knives? The reason we do that is because we don't realize and we don't have enough trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. And you asked Him to take over, didn't you? Because you're, you're being wise. You're saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. Only you know, so take over. You know, it's like you get in a car, like a two-year-old gets in the car, and then there's an adult, and the two-year-old says, no, 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 I'm going to drive. I got this. That's, what do you think about that situation, right? The two-year-old is taking the steering wheel while there's a professional, you know, driver, adult, right there sitting in the, in the passenger seat. Does that make any sense? Why? Because that two-year-old has no idea what he or she is doing. That two-year-old shouldn't be driving because the two-year-old is going to cause an accident and kill everyone, right? But this is what we do, and Allah is high above any analogy. But this is what we do. We want to take the steering wheel. Let me decide, ya Allah, <laughs> you know? Let me decide. I know, I know something. Like, do we know better than Allah? Do we, do we, are we more able to steer and, 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 and direct that car than Allah? Are we more able to direct our lives than Allah? Do we know better? It's like going into surger, surgery room, the surgical room and being like, surgeon, I got this. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know anything about surgery. You don't even know how to like cut an apple. And you're going to go and cut this person and think that you know, this is what we do with God. I mean, it sounds funny when I tell you what we, you know, if we did this with another human being. At the end of the day, the surgeon's just a human like you, right? But yet you think it's so silly to go in and think you know that you can take over that surgery because you know something. But now I'm talking about God. I mean, we do this with God. We do this with Allah. We think we should take over. No, yeah, Allah, actually, this should have happened. No, no, I, I, I think there was a bit of a mistake here. I actually was supposed to marry that person. 
there's a bit of a mistake. I'm sorry. Like, can you fix it? <laughs> like, billah. Or no, no, I was really supposed to get that job. Or I was really not supposed to miss that flight. <laughs> anyway, yeah. You know what I mean? When things happen and we don't like it, things happen and we don't like it, we act as if, we act as if there was some mistake and it should have happened my way. You know? Allah doesn't make mistakes. And Allah knows what He's doing. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make dua a tool for us to get closer to Him and for us to realize that while we can ask for things, that's fine. But we realize that the greatest gift of dua is the nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that comes in the process of begging from the king.